it is always good when your enemy cannot assume what power you have and then underestimate you for whatever he or she wants to use against you. Where did we get it wrong? So that we're no longer interested in learning about our ancestors, those who have been here before us, those who have, those, you know, the blood that is running in our vein came through a channel. That channel was our father, our forefather, and those before them. That is the blood that is running in our vein. There is no how that the kings of the past did not do those motis. They were protected. They did all those. When I say muti, I'm using South African word now, which means they did not do those charms or they do not pass through those initiation because there is no other person that needs more protection than a king. author of the storytelling series for small businesses and content creators. In Obehead Podcast, we talk about the power of your story, your narrative, and why you should own your voice. Whether you are a small business owner, a content entrepreneur, or you simply want to build your influence, storytelling is probably going to be your best instrument to connect with your audience. So join the awakened few who are owning their voices. Now let's get started with today's episode. Greetings. My names are King Francis Kelechi Waneri III, the Paramount Chief of Africa, and a one-time Dean of Ambassador to the State of African Diaspora. Thank you so much, uh, His Majesty. So today's conversation is something that I consider important, uh, absolutely important uh, from the point of view of culture and tradition in Africa. Uh, we are looking at uh, how to better understand initiation rights uh, in African culture. So the first question I sort of have for you there, uh, just thinking about it, is what are initiation rights in African culture? What do we mean by that? Okay. Um, initiation right uh, differs from different parts of African, Africa regions and continent. Uh, what I mean is, in the West, they celebrate it differently. In the East, they celebrate differently, South and North. Um, particularly, but in, in, in general terms, initiation right is a kind of uh, growing up ceremony, acceptance into manhood, or acceptance into human uh, womanhood. What I mean by that is that as you are growing as uh, a person in Africa, it is assumed that you have not grown up if you have not done that initiation process. And uh, to, to be very frank, in the southern region, they celebrate it differently. Where you have the one they call the Izintombis, which is the women growing up 
to womanhood, which is initiation of the women growing into womanhood on the age of 21. Then that of men also is an initiation of accepting them into manhood, which is also combined with circumcision, you know, coincidentally. They do not just run it without circumcision. They said if you are growing into manhood, then definitely you have to do the circumcision, be circumcised and say you are a man. And that is the one that takes them to the mountains. And you have a professional native doctor who will make sure that when they are cut, they are cut properly. And at the same time, they do not have or sustain injuries afterwards. That is the way that the southern region celebrate their initiation. So in general terms, initiation in Africa is acceptance into manhood or womanhood, to say you are now a woman, you are now a man, of which there are several advices that will be given to them in such processes. Like the women, they will be advised how to live their life as a woman, they will be advised what to do and what not to do in their husband's house if they get married. They will be advised on, on mannerism, you know, completely. It's, it's all about their manners uh, in, in, in their new homes that they might be assuming maritally. And then that of men, they will also be inducted that now that you have been circumcised, you are expected to begin to look around for a woman to marry if your parents do not have one for you and you do not just mess around and all that and all that so it's quite um, a moral instruction program in africa so you talk of uh, the the southern region and also uh, the western region uh, can you be more yes. like uh, specific on uh, maybe your culture for example where you grew up where you become uh, a man and where you have an important role. Uh, is there anything you can say about that? Yes. Where I grew up, which is the uh, east, eastern part of Africa, I'm sorry, the western part of Africa, of course, but I am from the eastern part of it. And when you grow up, when you are being uh, accepted into Okorobia, Okorobia means youth. You are being accepted into Okorobia as a man the moment you have attended the age of 18. And then they will embrace you. You will tie clothes. Uh, obviously, in our side, uh, circumcisions are earlier done than the, the, the southern region. Because you see, some people are being circumcised on seven days. After their bath, they don't even know they were circumcised in the eastern part of, uh, in, in the western East Africa. And the essence of that is to make sure that um, they do not feel much, much pains in those circumcision problem, uh, programs. But notwithstanding, South Africa also have their way why they had to do it on the level of becoming an adult. But going back to the Eastern part, the Eastern part celebrates and accepts that initiation program 
now you will be accepted to register in several uh, youth meetings. You will be accepted to enroll with your age group meetings. You will be accepted in the community as a grown-up child. You will be told what to do. It's also the same moral instruction kind of program in the sense that the elders, the men, will gather and talk to you and advise you what to do and what not to do, and even promise that if you fail in any of these obligations, you will be dealt with in the, in the, in the Western part. It is more serious. You will be dealt with because that's where you now know that a child is not only for the parents uh, to be trained, but even the neighborhood. So they will jointly watch your behavior and attitude within those time of which if you have found one thing or probably you misbehave, an elder somewhere, somehow will correct you either by beating or by flogging. And that is not that maybe they hate you or they probably want you to uh, uh, be punished for nothing or probably humiliate you, no. It is a way to control and make sure that you grow in the right way in that program of initiation. You did make mention of East and West, but I think you are referring to uh, West Africa. In this case, you are referring to East of Nigeria, correct? So that we can yes, identify correct. the people that we are referring to. That's correct. And this generalized actually in Nigeria. But uh, when you say I should, where I grew up from, that was why I mentioned the Eastern part. But that right. function is, is generalized in Nigeria. Can you explain to the people uh, if there is anything we can trace as to what is the origin of uh, initiation among the Igbo people, for example? So people, at least we can have something to hold in the hand instead of maybe the whole of West Africa. At least this time we can have a particular people for better investigation. Like, uh, what is the origin of initiation among these people? Okay, as you know that the Igbo people are Jewish originated, they are referred as the black Jews. And circumcision is very, very paramount in that case. So when they do circumcision, there are, there are so many things that is bared in mind. First is to uh, exonerate the man from being humiliated because uh, in, in that culture of the eastern part of Nigeria, if you are not circumcised, uh, you are not fully a man. And your, your age mates will be making fun of you, for instance, when you are taking your bath in the river and they see that you're not circumcised, everybody will be laughing and making fun of the shape of your manhood and all that. And when this is done, then you are clean and you'll be proud to remove your cloth. And, and in fact, it's a dignifying program in the Igbo land. There, any man who is not circumcised is not regarded as a full man. It is assumed that the man will not perform very well. It is assumed that the man is carrying some uncleanliness. It is assumed that the man uh, is not man enough. It is also uh, a kind of humiliating uh, 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 kind of factor. If you see 
a man that is not circumcised, he won't even be proud enough to remove his cloth or to shower in the public. That is how shameful it is. So it is a very compulsory program for most men in the Eastern side. Above all, circumcision has been, even in the Western world has been seen that the moment you are circumcised, circumcised, which is the initiation program, you would not contact sicknesses easily uh, with your manhood as a man. You would not in any way uh, contact mostly the STDs so easily. I'm not saying you cannot, but it is not you, you are not so vulnerable to it than someone who has not been circumcised. All right. Thank you so much for that. Uh, now, apart from the uh, circumcision, uh, which other elements are crucial uh, in the initiation rite, uh, either among the Igbo people of Nigeria or among other, uh, among other groups uh, of Africa, whether in South Africa or in other part of the continent that uh, we can examine? In other part of uh, the continent, what they do is giving a tribal mark. Some of them do the circumcision and at the same time put the tribal mark at which you will see the person and identify where the person is coming from. You know, and uh, this is done in the olden days in order to know who their people are. And it is also used in terms of war and guiding of the kingdoms so that when they see you have been initiated and they see, oh, you said, okay, I am the son of so, so so person. You mention your surname and they look at you. They will see, yes, okay, that is the tribal mark. He's one of us, you know. And during some other war, uh, those who are not circumcised and uh, probably initiated into the, the, the community and the kingdom are not allowed to go for war because it is assumed that they will become uh, saboteurs, they will become uh, people who will not be identified by the others who are fighting war with them. You see that? So most of the African countries, what they do is tribal marks. Tribal marks, and then they go to uh, the, the, the seer of that community. They seer as in terms of spiritual sin. They go there. And as they go there, uh, the, the chief priest would then call on them and probably do the mark and the tribal and probably initiate them with some, uh, what do you call this? Uh, some some herbs, you know. Some part of Africa, I must tell you, also do this against weapons, against, uh, you know, weapons of warfare, the, the penetration into the body will not be, be active once they have done that initiation. And these initiations are very paramount to them because they feel that it's a protecting factor. It is, it is, uh, it is then the time they will know that this child is our child belong to us and this child can represent us humanly and spiritually anywhere he or she goes. So this is this is what goes on in different African countries. All right, thank you so much, His Majesty. Uh, well, just now you made mention of um, 
uh, one of the reasons for uh, initiation also be against uh, a kind of a protection uh, against uh, weapons of war be not penetrating the uh, the human body. Uh, and of course, if somebody is from Nigeria now, uh, we see a lot of, um, of films where this issue have been raised and, and all that. Uh, so with me, it's uh, a pretty common observation uh, among many Africans uh, in Nigeria to be specific because both of us, we are originally from Nigeria. Uh, but now uh, you are coming from a military background. You have got a good training. Uh, but you are also uh, a traditionalist in that you are a traditional leader. So it means that you understand it from both ends. So when we say, or when you say that um, initiative right uh, sometimes is a protection against uh, weapons of war, can you like clarify that for me? Is it something that we can hold in evidence that really if you have those initiative rights, uh, you will not, uh, weapons of war like maybe cutlass or gun or things like that, we don't enter you like they usually will show in Hollywood, in Hollywood film, or is it a question that you believe that it is like that because both of them might not actually mean the same thing? Please help me with that. All right, uh, there is no smoke without fire. The film they are showing have origins, it has basis, and what they were trying to show is how the Africans were existing in the past and they relied so much on those powers. That is what they were trying to show. But I'm saying in my own contents that yes, it's still practicable. It all depends on individual country, what they themselves want to use as a form of initiation. They might say what, what they are doing uh, with the eye of the kingdom is to make sure that the knife does not penetrate and some others will do the ones that will say we are doing for the bullets not to penetrate. It all depends of choice of a certain country. It is not specifically on Nigeria to tell you the truth. There are some African countries that are doing that and they are quiet over it. And probably they did not announce it because they did not have, they didn't want to probably air it out or they didn't want to show it as a kind of their defense. Because it is always good when your enemy cannot assume what power you have and then underestimate you for whatever he or she wants to use against you, which you know that you have been initiated against that and that cannot penetrate you. It is not for the military contents, though some of the people in the military are also using using such uh, African powers. They do individually on their own choice. That's what I'm trying to say. It is individually on their own choice. If you decide to say, yes, I want to do this, then you have the right. Since you are in the war front, it is your right as an African to use it. And nobody will go against that. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So. On such situation, specifically on your own decision, uh, it's not longer on the issue of the country, but probably you are doing it for the purpose that you are a commandant, or probably you feel that you'll be more strong to have those uh, powers with you or on you before you will know that uh, you are fully protected for the war you are doing. 
I, I don't know if you understand that. Yes, yes, I do, but not fully. So I'm, I'm going to try and, and repropose the question again. And, and, of, and of course, you understand that I'm, I'm asking the question for the purpose of education, for those that are listening to us so they can understand uh, this context. Because sometimes uh, we think that it is clear, uh, we think that it is understood, but it is not understood. People don't understand uh, most about this, uh, this, this item, this thing that we are talking about here. Is it, if somebody do initiation, and uh, this person were to be, um, were to be in front of the enemy, say maybe there is a, a war, uh, say maybe this, the weapon of war, in this case, is gone. Can those initiation, by the way that they are, uh, by the way that we understand them, actually prevent that individual from being key? That maybe when a gun is shot, at, when a bullet is shot at him, those bullets will not enter. Is that the understanding that we have about uh, that initiation in reference to um, time for, times of war? Yes, that's exactly what I was saying. But I'm saying that that this, that kind of initiation is not for the whole African continent, it's specifically on some certain areas. Certain areas use that up to now. When they finish, when they do their initiation of circumcision, they will back it up with gunshot and knife. And you will be asked, you will be asked the question, do you really want it? You say yes, because you will be tested. You understand? You will be tested after, after making such a, a, a charm, let me call it a charm, or after inserting those herbals on you, you will be asked, do you want the knife or do you want the gun? That's what I'm trying to say. So it's an, it's an individual description to say, yes, I want the gun, I want the, the, the arm. On a general category of initiation, this is an advanced level. So they do not do it for everyone. This is what I'm trying to make clear. But is it working? Yes. If anybody shoots you and you uh, they did the one of uh, firearm, it will not penetrate you. If anybody use a knife on you and you have the one of knife, it will not penetrate you. That's the truth. So if you if your question is, does it work or is it working? Yes, it's working. But I'm trying to clarify that it's not for everyone. And it is not by force. It is by your own initiation and acceptance and description of what you want. I don't know if I have made this clear. Yeah, it's very, it's very clear. Uh, but now I'm, I'm thinking, I'm sort of having a conflict in my head, no? that uh, if there is this possibility, it will mean that maybe, for example, uh, in a kingdom, or say maybe the king or the ruler of the land uh, will be most protected in a situation like this so that he cannot be captured when the enemy came. Uh, why, I'm saying, why I'm saying that is that I am coming from a small town in, that is called Urumi in, uh, in Edo State. Uh, when, the, when the British came to, uh, to conquer Nigeria, uh, they, they captured the, the, the Onoji of Urumi. His name is Obidi. Uh, he he okay. was a very strong king, actually, in Urumi. Um, so I would want to believe now that if there is any any of these things really work, it should work for him. 
Because, of course, he is the king of Uromi, meaning there is no person that is more important than he, than the king of Uromi, uh, to be protected in a situation like this. Uh, of course, he was okay. exiled two times. And not, not, of course, only he. And I'm not talking of many, many years ago. I'm talking of only a few, a few hundreds of years ago. Uh, at the same, the same time, Oba uh, uh, Ovirame was also captured by, by the British. And he will die in Calabar, of course, you know this, in 1914. So yes. what I'm actually reasoning, what I'm thinking is that if this power were there, did, did they not use it for these leaders? Because who could be more powerful in the, in the Benin Empire at the time than Oba Ovirame? And if those <coughs> power get, were there, why would, why would they don't use it to protect them against the enemy, which in this case are the Europeans who are coming to capture our king? So that is what I'm trying to understand here. There's an antidote, I will tell you, to everything and every power that is prepared. There is, there is a neutralizer. And it is also it also meant how was this person captured, aware or unaware? Was he sleeping or buffing? Because most of those powers, when you do them, there is still some ornaments you have to wear. And you, you will be told, do not let water touch it or do not let oil touch it. And then they will avoid all that. So most of the people who did that, when the time they are eating, they will remove those bangles to make sure oil does not touch it. So if then that issue happens at that time, that person will be captured. It's either that or either the person decides to yield to the arrest, not knowing what to do. Besides, I do not think that the Oba of Urumi, like you have mentioned, yielded. Probably, uh, in all 12, there is always a Judah. Probably he has got a Judah in the house who is a betrayer, who knew when he is powerless. And I will repeat, who knew when he is powerless and uh, I will explain that. When he is powerless means that when he did not put the ornaments or when he did not place those things that he's supposed to put in place uh, before the enemy, or when he was unexpectant of the war or probably the capture, and then the, the intruder uh, relied on, uh, what do you call it? A Judah who is inside. And then the Judah betrayed the Oba. That's why it is said that in any theft or robbery that happens, there must always be an insider. Uh, I'm saying this that you ask that question. Obviously, I'm saying but to you that there is no how that the kings of the past did not do those motives. They were protected. They did all those. When I say muti, I'm using South African word now, which means they did not do those charms or they do not pass through those initiation because there is no other person that needs more protection than a king of a kingdom. He is the protector of the kingdom, as assumed, and he is to be protected. So much protection processes and uh, uh, factors are being laid on the king. So I, I repeat, so that that will be uh, strongly uh, what do you call it, Ed, that there is no king who did not do that. The recent kings, 
decide to chicken in and say, no, I am, I am a Christian. I wouldn't do that. And then they leave it. And which I had said that Christianity was one of the factors that reduced our people to nothing. Because in the past, we were relying on all this muti. As a matter of fact, when you invite a king or even a soothsayer or a native doctor or whatever it might be called to a meeting, he does not need to walk down there. He appears in the crowd of people. Those powers were still working. If there is rainmakers, what do you think? These are powers that are embroidered into initiation. And it has to be your choice to say, this is the power I want and who you are and why you want that power. So if I have answered your question, I said that the kings, there is no kings, there is no, no, no chiefdom, no prime minister of a kingdom that did not pass through that process. That is very interesting. I appreciate that 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 response, and and, and of course, it did point out that there are usually uh, the betrayer among the people. That should be yes. true in the case of about about Viramen of, of the Benin Kingdom at the time, and also yes. uh, King the 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 Onoji of Uromi at the time, yes. and of course in many other places. Um, of course, for that, I'm not going to proceed with that case as much because we are not specifically on that argument, even though I would have had more things to ask there because, like I said, these things are not self-explanatory. Many people don't understand them. And sometimes we don't make the effort to make them understand. And sometimes people just go around with speculation because, of course, they don't know. So they can't, <laughs> they don't know what they don't know sometimes. Anyway, yes. anyway. Yeah. Um, and so, the Bible actually said it. The Bible actually said it that my people perishes due to lack of knowledge. The knowledge you do not have, the knowledge of something you don't know, you can die of it. A good example is you cannot jump to a ten-story building and say, uh, "Well, I don't know if I jump down from here, uh, I, I will die." Well, how you are going to test it? If you jump down, you are going to positively die. You cannot yes. put your hand on electricity and say, I, I don't believe in the power of electricity. No, those things you don't believe in. That thing will yes. act on you, whether you know it or not. Yeah, so. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. All right. So now, I'm sort of curious. Now, we have those powers uh, that are supposed to... The other day, I was uh, interviewing um, a scholar who is also very knowledgeable about African culture. And we were even talking about the concept of witchcraft. Because yes. you did say something just now that yes. at a point when you invited maybe the the chiefs or the king to a meeting, they don't they don't usually need to work there. They just appear yes. there. You yes. see, those things we don't understand it. We don't understand what have happened. So this man was explained. I have done a lot of interview with him. I still plan more to do with him relating to African culture, African spirituality, and uh, African tradition. Because I believe that it is our duty to explain them to the people, for the people to understand. Um, yes. In that there are these spiritual warfare and instruments that are used to maybe either to survive, to defend ourselves and all that. They are not all selfless. They are not in the open. Sometimes they are in the open, but you don't understand it. In Egypt, for example, there were the school 
of, uh, I think they call it the school of mystery, where you don't go there for two years. Some people go there for all their life studying about this mystery of life. So Agreed. there are knowledge, there are knowledge out there. But if I don't understand it, then for me, it's just a speculation until you explain it to me. So what I'm trying to understand, what I'm trying to ask you really is, what is the transition that we are having, the transition that we are having now between those who know this power and the generation that we have today who do not know this power? What is happening? I mean, uh, do we have the possibility of able to have those powers so that it can be put to use to the people? Or do we allow it to, to just disappear without knowing them? Because this power that we are talking about, that it, sometimes it's only, it only depends on the interpretation. So very soon, we will start understanding those powers from the point of view of medicine. Medicine in the sense that somebody is sick, he needs to combine certain herbs in the forest and it will be well again. So we start seeing that from very high mystic thing to something very physical. It can be also in, in how to organize a people to have a common a common interest to have to have a common bond because they are united as a people but they are united around something so i believe that okay. these things need to be understood so are we having the transition these people that are probably old they are dying off and the younger people that are coming up today are they on having a, an understanding of that knowledge or are we going to at a point totally forget them we won't know anything about them anymore Okay, uh, the challenge we have here, this is a very lengthy question, but I will break it. The challenge we have there is that the youths and the present people of African continent we have today has been polluted. And I do not blame them. I do not blame them because it is one of the divide and rule laws. To make them feel less person, they say that you cannot boil or get some herbs and drink in a cup, whereas you're supposed to put it into nagestics and drink it in tablets. Then you are taking overdose. Overdose becomes what is behind you as the youths of today. Now you go back again to this issue of initiation where you have these powers. They will tell you it's fetish. You are worshiping other God, and they call it black power. Now, the, the youths and the people we have become very polluted and have that mentality that if they go through that route, now they are practicing witchcraft. Now they are becoming fetish. Now they are not children of God and all that. Who said so? The point and the question I keep asking is, all our ancestors who passed on, you want to say they do not know God? The problem is there are those who use these powers for evil purposes, and there are those who use it in a white way. You know, white way in this, I'm not talking of white color, I'm talking of in terms of positive way. They use it. And those who use it positively do not, do not stand their hands when you go to them and say you want to kill they have the power to kill but they tell you hey get out of my shrine i don't kill get out 
And when they say Gerald, they mean Gerald. If you do not, they invoke the ancestors against you. And there are those who you go to who say, oh, okay, you want to kill? Well, it's, it's in your hand, all right? You say your, your words and confess that to your chi, confess that to your God, confess that to whatever you, you value more to say that you are here and you know the consequences of killing. It will be on your head. The, 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 the ritualist or the, the priest have said it and has said it. So what am I saying in a nutshell? I am saying that we have youths who are crying, uh, who are, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the sympathizers who cries more than they believe. They copy so much from the Western world. They are copycats. They are copying too much more than the value of those who even say that they initiated that. In order to have this thing running passed into generation to generation, then we must continue with inductions and workshops. Then we must not be discouraged even when we are not allowed in some certain things. In some different parts of Africa, I don't want to be too specific, they are discouraging initiation. They are discouraging circumcision. Why? Why would you discourage that? No, don't do it. What would go to these professionals? Before the professionals came out, our forefathers were circumcised. Were they death? The question is, were they death? They weren't death after circumcision. They were strong and healthy. Now you are telling me that you want the native doctor or the herbal doctor who has been surviving and living on that to be discouraged because you have introduced white doctors. What happened to the previous ones? So it is time for us to continue to encourage our people by inductions and workshop, irrespective of whatever it takes. We stand headlong to say, you know what? This circumcision has to continue. This initiation has to continue. The process of our forefathers should not be left behind. Then it means we have the youths that wants to uh, uh, have uh, the hereditary of their fathers, who wants a, 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 a pass on of what their kingdoms has been doing. But if we have the kind of youths who will tell you that, ah, no, man, that's fetish. What's up? You want to bring me into this and that and that? No. These cultures will die. There will be no history. There will be nothing to present to the next generation. This is my take. Thank you so much for that. Um, but whose fault is that? I mean, where did we get it wrong in the point that we are no longer interested um, in our history? Because it was supposed to be that, in my place, um, it is said that uh, when the elders want to bless you, they will say something to the effect of walu urenomo, meaning if mm. you do, you will, you will pass it on to your children. So yeah, your yes. children will pass it on to their own children. It's yes. a circle that was never supposed to be broken. Yes. Okay. I understand what happened between the <clears throat> between the Europeans and Africa. Of course, I just made mention of one. How about Oviramen was captured in Benin and taken to die in uh, in in Calabar. There are those yes. uh, horrible situations that we have. I don't know how much the people of Benin, the people from my state, 
actually feel that, feel that pain that somebody came from somewhere and he told and he managed to get their king dead somewhere and somehow we don't feel the pain. So what I'm trying to understand is did we where did we get it wrong so that we're no longer interested in learning about our ancestors, those who have been here before us, those who have those, you know, the blood that is running in our vein came through a channel. That channel was our father, our forefather, and those before them. That is the blood that is running in our vein. We cannot pretend about that. We cannot pretend that we jumped down from the sky. We didn't jump down from the sky. Our parents gave birth to us. We also gave birth to other children. We someday are also going to become ancestors of other people. So what I'm simply saying is it was supposed to be a common sense that we recognize where we are coming from. Where did we get it wrong that we no longer care about our history, about yes. how we get here? We, we got it wrong through westernization. We got it wrong through capping the, what is wrong, which uh, it is part of the divide by rules that the Western world forced on our ancestors. And we got that from fears of what will happen if we continue to do this because we have our mind has been re-inducted our mind has been polluted our mind has has been changed by the colonial masters and we pass it on to our children and now saw that the only way to survival is education who says that education is the test of knowledge i asked that question several times in the in the olden time there was a lot of 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 uh, prosperous um, men young men and women who did farming and rearing and so many other things they did building of constructions of so many other things which today we are struggling to hold our our structures uh, you know just to show that this is the kind of house we, our ancestors were living in the past the problem is that fears has has gripped the mind of several African in initiating what is right or continuation of what is right is now the problem and precise we are shying away from what our ancestors gave to us in order to say yes we are westernized our uh, individual families are more educated than others they no more carry out those fetish, as they call it, fetish. No, no more carry the fetish arts. Who said it's fetish? I repeat again. The question you have asked me, where did we get it wrong? We got it wrong out of uh, passing information to your children, say, no, you must go to school. Education is now the, the, the order of the day. If you do not go to school, leave all these things you're doing in the village and face all that and make sure that you stand by it. Some of our past on ancestors played roles out of fears. You cannot blame them. They played these roles out of fears. They played these roles out of greed because they also want to want their children to look better and have the test of the white man's, uh, 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 what do you call it? White collar job and have the, the national cake through that, which all these things were shuffled down their neck. 
that if you don't do these things, then you have no option than to remain poor. And then they begin to push their families and their, their children to do that. And that stick in the head of several generations now, except now that we began to see that Africa is what it takes. And of course, I keep saying this unapologetically, that Africans, I repeat, as they call us black, I am not a black, but as an African, I am a human, I'm, I'm, I'm the origin of human race, unadulterated. And as an origin of human race means that we have all what it takes, irrespective of the gimmicks that has been posed to us in the past. And now most of the people have begun to realize that, you know what? You say civilization started in the Western world. Actually, Africa are the civilized people. Because whatever that is existing now was a sample of what they are working on and developing on it till today. What would you say maybe is the significance of initiative rights in Africa in terms of being able to um, remain connected to our culture? In line with this, what is the significance of initiative rights in African culture? All right. The importance is that you will be accepted, generally accepted in your kingdom as a person, as a woman, as a man. You'll be generally accepted. You'll be generally received. And all rights of uh, hereditary will be passed on to you because you have done that as uh, a human being. And you have done the initiation, then you will be regarded as someone. You will be regarded as a person. You will be regarded in all what you do. That yes, you are clean. You are no longer unclean. It is assumed that if you have not done that, you know you are not clean. So the importance is to be clean. The importance is to be accepted in our community. The important, of course, is to put yourself out of out of diseases. Is also to make sure that. As a man, you appear, you appear dignified before your woman, before your, 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 your wife. You know, you, you appear proudly because you know that you are up to tax as a man. It is also said that if that is done, it also increases the performance of a man. Uh, I would like you to spend maybe uh, um, so few minutes there. Uh, you were saying before that the Igbo people are um, the black Jews, okay? And that is why they practice uh, uh, circumcision, all right? Uh, but I believe that circumcision is something that is also practiced in, uh, in some other parts of Africa who are known um, uh, Igbo. What would, you, what would you like to say about that uh, to sort of uh, put this in context? Exemplary, Africa is one. Whether you are Jewish inclined or you are Arabic inclined, Africa is one. And they copy each other. Whatever the other does, the other, other tribe do the same when they have seen that it's working for the other tribe. So in Africa, we are children of one mother and one father. So what, what the West does is what the East does and what the North does. And you find out that there are still migration processes from the East as a Jew 
or from the west of Africa as a Jew to the northern part of Africa in terms of such, in terms of, let me tell you, the Igbo people are people who are not afraid of starting afresh. They are people who can move out of their houses with a bag and leave everything they have worked for and, and believe that where they are going, they will have a brighter future. So what am I saying here? There is still some African countries where there is still some African countries where the Jews have traveled or migrated into and begin to influence the behavior of those people around there and they begin to spread. And out of deterioration, they forget where they come from. Hence, they are in Africa. So it's not only for, it's not only for the Jewish community, uh, it's for the whole African. And one character among the children would have, would have affected that kind of initiation and circumcision. And precise, there's an adage that says, when a finger dips itself into an oil and raises it, it will splash on all, all the fingers. So this is what happens in Africa. Mm -hmm. All right, in terms of, uh, uh, talking from the point of view of history, um, do we know like when the second station started, I know that perhaps you will take it to the Bible, but among Africans, is it really true that circumcision started from the Bible? I, I'm trying to understand since when did we start to do circumcision in Africa? Since 1900s. Since 1900s, when, you know, our people, they like to invent, they like to, uh, they were very conscious of if they can enter the, the forest and detect a certain leaf that can cure malaria. So were they also finding out man's health? What can a man do to remain very professional? No, it started from then, and as you asked, that's when initiation became uh, popular in most of the African continent. In 1300s, it became very much uh, more. Why? Because our people were, were migrating, and as they were migrating, they were migrating with some symbols on their bodies and initiations and marks and tribal uh, also marks and all that. So it was more, it became more stronger in 1300s. But this has been our ways, the ways of our ancestors. Uh, as for the question of those dates, I really wanted to have, uh, explore it a little bit further. Um, but, but it's okay, it's okay. All right. Um, now, I think in the beginning you did uh, you did make mention of the types of initiation in Africa. I don't know if you want to reinforce those lines uh, for us again. What are the different types of initiation in Africa that people should know of? The different types of uh, initiations in Africa is accepting one is accepting a woman who has kept her virginity from the first day she was born till the 21 years of age, now she will be released and be appreciated by the kingdom to say, oh, you have done well. You are now a full grown woman. You can now get, not not get naughty, but get a man that, that wants to marry you or accept a man that wants to marry you. 
at this age because you have kept yourself dignified as a woman. The second one is the one that it is now uh, a time for a certain male child to be circumcised and be told that now you can now be able to marry a wife or you can now know a woman. Why? Because you have kept yourself without misbehaving and you have come of age. So we release you. That's another initiation point. The third type is the ones of war. If those who are going to fight war and uh, they are seen as warriors or they are seen as heads, they are seen as kings and special people for the kingdom, they will prepare them in terms of penetration of knives, penetration of, of guns and any other weapon of warfare. And the, the, the least but not the last is the one of also several countries looking at their borders and they initiate some border keepers. And those border keepers will have tribal marks, tribal marks to know themselves against the other, other uh, what do you call it, community infiltrating into their land or taking over their land. Once they have seen those people without those marks, they know their enemies. So these are done in several ways and in terms of protection, particularly. Okay, I have a curiosity. Um, you may mention of a woman growing up to 21 years and when she's... Uh, when it is understood that she's a virgin, then that is a, a, a big honor to her that she can get married. Uh, so I've sort of wondered, why was there so much emphasis on the question of sexuality or when a woman uh, is a virgin or is not a virgin? Why was that important? Because it's something that we also find to be very uh, common among religious uh, institutions of today. The Vatican, for example, is very vocal about, about that, about sexuality, about uh, contraception and things like that. So I'm sort of mm. wondering, why is that so important for the kingdom, for religious institution, or for uh, initiation in Asian Africa? Or among Africa, of course, maybe you are not referring to the Asian Africans. Okay, uh, as a woman, you can get pregnant the moment you have seen your circle from 12 years, which begins from public age. And now you, you decide to keep yourself. You decide to take care of yourself. You stayed out of danger. You stayed out of uh, unnecessary pregnancy. You stayed out of uh, uh, prostitution. You stayed out of having child out of, uh, 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 what do you call it? Marital homes, you know, out of wedlock. You stayed out of having bastards. And I will explain what I mean by bastards. Bastards, obviously, in, in, in the current explanation, is a child that is being gotten illegally, just without, without father, or without being sure of who is the father and all that. So you have been a woman. You have made your family proud in not bringing shame by not doing all that I have listed. In order to honor you also and encourage others, because it's, it's a, a kind of uh, deterrent, you know, it's a kind of emulatable behavior that should be passed to your younger ones. 
and more especially as a first daughter, particularly people are more strict on that, that my first daughter did not mess around, so my other daughters will never do that. And it is assumed that whatever wrong the first daughter did, or probably mistakes she would have done, the rest would do that. That's why I say it's emulatable. So that's why in Africa, we encourage the first daughter particularly to live a life of, you know, exemplary, whereby the younger ones will follow the steps and keep themselves also to that age and not bring shame to the family. So it is more important and welcome and appreciated in African content in terms of a girl standing out with a good behavior. You know, it's not necessarily about virginity, but it's, it's necessarily trying to say that this girl did not mess up until he finds the man that will marry her or the man that marries her, wants to marry her, finds her. You know, so it is a, a program of honor to also say thank you, my daughter, for not making us look, you know, bad in the whole community, for having that discipline and for also planting that behavior among your, your younger siblings. Uh, do, do you want to say anything about the preparation, uh, the, uh, how people are prepared before they initially uh, get, before they, they eventually uh, get uh, initiated into the process? I mean, what do you want to tell us about the preparation? What do they need to do? Because I believe it's not just something that happened suddenly, you know, that there had to be some preparation uh, before you, because you are talking of becoming an adult now. And so what would you like to say about that? There are some areas I wouldn't want to talk about, but I will say the ones that are obvious. First and foremost, it borders on behavior. It's one of the preparation concepts. It's one of the preparations, be, uh, what do you call it, ad, uh, acceptance. Uh, if maybe the person, the child is weird, she, he or she might not be accepted to celebrate it when it's right for he or she to do so. It's a kind of punishment or penalty to, like I said, it is a sort of moral instruction uh, kind of uh, um, celebration in order to make that child proud. So if the child did not behave his or herself, then the, the family can deny that person that process of going in for initiation for that very, very uh, section where he or she is already qualified to be. And uh, another one is uh, the whole community's eyes is on those set of children uh, also to see that they are not bringing somebody who has already misbehaved before initiation. In other ways, it is a check myth for people to behave well and to be celebrated in their, in their level or, or entrance to youth. So if the person is not being celebrated, means the person has misbehaved, means the person is not honored. And in the community, they will also know that this person is supposed to do this, but he didn't do it due to manners, due to behaviors. You know, that's th those are the ones I would like to speak about. Physical preparation is also keeping yourself holy prior to the time of your circumcision 
of of your initiation or whatever it might be called it is it is uh, i'm mentioning these two words because they go together so now at that very time you have to uh, have practiced some holistic kind of behavior and spiritual exercises spiritual exercises that will show that you are really really ready for this calling into the next section of your life all right that's good that's great that's great now what would be your final thought here to conclude the conversation a kind of maybe uh, a final message uh, to leave the people with please go ahead and do that my message to all africans is we should continue this process of induction and workshops we should not be sympathizers that cries more than the belief we should not copy so much of the western world and forget our root and culture our ancestors are crying for it because they see that they have left generation that have left their roots generations that cannot pass on to the next generation we are all westernized and we are all living what we are supposed to do and the point is if we all go western who carries the culture of africa my dear people i am going to say let us make sure that we instill the discipline of our culture traditions and customs to our children irrespective of whoever they should be as a matter of fact it should be the first inductions that we give our children their Ruth, give them the stories and who they are and what they should deviate and what they shouldn't deviate from this is what i feel that most families should do particularly every family has a role in africa every family has a role let's stop behaving more of the westerners than who we are uhuru africa asante son if you enjoy this podcast please subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes rate and review overhead podcast and share with your friends who might need it thank you so much for listening and talk to you in the next episode